or the the changeable nature, the 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 raw material of the universe, which is finite and changeable, but with which does not exist without the presence of Bhagavan. This is apara. Apara means this is that which is finite, that which undergoes a change. So apara here is the the the, the upadana karana. Um, upadana karana means what? The material cause of the universe. And then we have, you know, nivittakarana, that the intelligence behind this material, the intelligence and the material are non-separate from one another, and the, the, the material is molded in keeping with the laws of this intelligence. So therefore we can say that Bhagavan is with everything, is everything. Is not, nothing is separate from Bhagavan. That's why the whole world of name and forms, everything that exists has also the presence of Bhagavan. Also means what? What else does it have? Nama Rupa. <laughs> yeah. Nama Rupa. And this Astitvam, the, the Satta, Satta means the existence belongs to Bhagavan. And the sentience, the knowledge, also belongs to Bhagavan. And so therefore, this, this was already talked about in uh, you know, chapter 7, so there is no need to introduce it again in chapter 13 with a, with a new pair of names, Kshetra and Kshetraki. But still it is extremely pertinent and it is really a master stroke. Because, you know, for two reasons. One is, you know, as one is studying the Gita, there is a certain kind of a complacency that sets. Oh, first chapter finished, now what? Then what? After this what? Then okay, now on, on this. Yeah, yeah, I've done this before. And supposing if it had said para and aparapati, ah, oh, yeah, this is done. You know? No, I, I don't have to listen now. I can switch off and go into what, uh, you know, Swami Vidyavanya calls in a different, uh, you know, text, Mano Rajya, mental fantasies. I can just go switch off and have a nice time thinking about something else and then after the teacher or the text stops talking about this, I will switch back on because I already know it. This is the feeling. So first thing this distinction does is that it shakes the complacency. That's why the Bhagavad Gita in presenting the same thing, you know, uses different terminologies. That is the, the, the one of the main reasons. Mainly to keep the person, you know, on the toes, because you can't take everything for granted. Because after studying this Kshetra and Kshetrakya, then you are told, what are you told? That, oh, you know, this is the same as Para and Para Prakriti or Purusha, come in front, yeah, please, there is space. So, uh, there is what, you know, uh, afterwards you are told that this is what it is. But this is a very important reason because the human mind, you know, loves to switch off and go somewhere else. Already the attention span is so little, you know. They did one experiment and they made, uh, you know, people multitask a lot. They kept sending them these tweets and they kept sending them emails and they kept phoning them and then they had to just go between the email and the tweet and this and that. And then they found that uh, intelligence, you know, the IQ was becoming less as a result of this multitasking. You know, the intelligence was, the, 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 you know, the, the comprehension after multitasking 
for about half an hour was just slightly more than an eight-year-old. This is what they found. So, therefore, and even though you know the, the Bhagavad Gita was composed before the iPad, you know, <laughs> that is why we call the writers of the texts of Vedanta, <coughs> excuse me, as Kavis, because they they are able to see. You know, they are able to see far and, you know, understand the whole gamut of the human psychology and understand what this is all about. And so therefore, this is a wonderful way to break the attention, you know, from taking it for granted, uh, coming in the beginning of the chapter. That is one reason. The second reason is, when we talk about para and apara prakriti or when we talk about maya and bhagavan, you know, maya being the karana of the jagat, maya means the, 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 the material, maya, the three gunas being the cause of the universe as the material and then bhagavan not coming under the spell of maya, the jiva because of ignorance coming under the spell of maya, all this. You know, when we hear this, there is always the feeling that this I, whatever I consider to be myself, is also part of the creation. In fact, in a number of traditions, this is encouraged and this is the only knowledge that we have. Everybody is a child of God. And we can also say that. We can also say that Bhagavan is, you know, Tvameva Mata Pita Tvameva, we say that. Jagatav Pitarava Vande Kalidasa composed Parvati Parameshwara. No problem. But it is more as a devotee, as invoking the devotee, we say that. But not as a reality. The, the one thing that Ishvara did not create is the Jiva. Yes. Why? Because Jiva is Ishvara. It's Ishvara with ignorance. Ishvara with a twist. That's all. <laughs> this twisted Jiva is Ishvara with a twist. That's all it is. It's not anything else. So it's not a creation, so to speak. But I tend to look upon myself also as a creation. I tend to look upon myself as coming under the, the spate of the three gunas. I tend to look upon myself as helplessly coming under the spell of Maya. And I tend to look upon myself as, you know, not free of all these, you know, laws of the universe. And so therefore, it reinforces the feeling that I am finite, I am limited, and I have to get out of this body in order to go become one with God. You know, this is the mainstream theology around this only. That in this life there is no hope. And so what is this life for? Just to, you know, just to be saved. Uske baad kya? You know, then you will, then after death, you will go and join God. But the desire to, to be one with everything is now. It's not after death. Like if somebody is hungry, you cannot tell them in paradise there is lots of food. Yeah, that person will eat you for dinner. Yeah, they will be so angry. First they were hungry, now they are angry. Yeah, you can't tell them if somebody is thirsty, it is, it is to be quenched right here, right now. You can't say, wait till you go to God, you will have a nice goblet of Soma juice, Soma rasa. You know, because it's no longer locally available. They did too many Soma yagnyas and perhaps, what is that, you know, made it go extinct. So, you know, 
So you can't say that because the need is a is a driving need right now. And like hunger and thirst, the desire to be free of this limitation is an uncultivated need. It's an uncultivated desire. And this I was talking somewhere elsewhere. And there was a child sitting in the audience. And I said, can you give me some other examples of uncultivated desire? The child raised their hand. I was very happy. I said, oh, please. And the child said, TV. <laughs> so this shows to us, you know, that, uh, that what were luxuries in the grandparents' time have become necessities in the parents' time. And the luxuries in the parents' time have become necessities in our time. And our luxuries will become the next generation's necessities. This is how it goes. But really speaking, you know, uncultivated. Meaning, I don't, I did not make this, it's, this desire is not made by me. Like television, like restaurants, like all these things. Those are all cultivated desire. The desire to be free of all these notions of limitations is uncultivated. And this is what one has to understand. And for every uncultivated desire, there is a solution here and now. If you are hungry, there is food. No baby comes out of the mother's womb and while it's coming out, it doesn't think, I better bring a sandwich, I don't know what kind of a word, I better brown bag lunch I will bring. It doesn't think. I better carry an oxygen tank. I don't know how I will survive. No. It comes out just like it, without clothes, without you know food, and everything is right there. And if you've seen some of these National Geographic, uh, you know, uh, uh, episodes, you see all these. I saw one. There was this baby giraffe, and the giraffe couldn't even stand. And the, you know, it's very important for the animals, especially the vegetarian animals, to stand as soon as they are born because they have to run. <laughs> yeah, all these non-vegetarian big cats are after them. So the mother was worried it was not standing up, so it made it stand up. And then without GPS, it found the way to the mother's milk. Yeah? No, it, it did not consult a handheld device, how to go, how many feet, where is the milk. No, it just found its way. That is nature. That is the, the beauty of this. That is what we call all knowledge. That is Bhagavan. This is what we, this arrangement is so wonderful. And so this Desire for moksha is uncultivated. For every uncultivated desire, there is a freedom, you know, there is a, the, the solution available here and now. Why for moksha I have to die, you know? And besides, we already know, what is that? Moksha is already mine. I have to discover this. I have to understand this. I have to inquire into this. The separating factor is not that I don't have moksha. Between me and moksha, what is the separating factor? Self-ignorance. This is what it is. And so therefore, you know, to think of oneself as part of the creation, it may be okay as a bhavana, as a devotee, I'm relating to Bhagavan as my mother and father. That's perfectly valid. But anything more than that, to believe that I am a creature that was created, and the, the, the creator is somewhere else other than the creation is not going to assuage you know my thirst for that oneness which is built into everyone whether they know it or not if they don't know it they go to malls and balls 
And if they know it, you know, they come here. That's the only difference. <laughs> Everybody has this desire. And so, therefore, this, the, the words Kshetra and Kshetragya, they have an important, you know, it's not uselessly just used. It's not used in vain. They have, they, they serve the important purpose of showing that the jiva is not created by Ishvara, it is not a creature, it is not part of the creation. It is in fact Ishvara alone. Because the name Kshetragya, I am going to explain now a little bit before we see the verses. And uh, yesterday I told you don't worry when we start. So hopefully that is still there. So, you know, then we have this uh, these two terms, Kshetram I explained yesterday. What did we say? What did we say? What are the three definitions? <coughs> human body, human body. Human body, yeah. Human body. The field, Kshetram, Iva Kshetram. Shatat, Kragate, Kshetra. Yeah. All that is fine. Yeah, all that is Kshetra, very good. So, all this, this is Kshetra. And out of this, the first definition is very important. The, the human body is this field. And anything connected to the body is the field. And who is the knower of the field is Bhagavan, Ishvara. Ishvara is the name of Kshetragya is applicable to Ishvara because in the very next verse Bhagavan Krishna says Kshetragyam Chapi Maam Vidhi so first you have Kshetra, your own body, correct? And then Bhagavan Krishna says, Sarveshu Kshetreshu Bharata. In all the bodies, I am the Lord. Ah, I am the knower of the field. So the, then we look at the field, the field takes on, um, you know, magnanimous proportion. The field becomes as big as the universe. And Bhagavan, in relation to this field, becomes the knower and the controller of the field. This is at the, you know, at the level of, the, at the macro level of the cosmology of creation. In fact, we don't have a cosmology of creation. We have, we don't believe in creation, we say manifestation. Not so much srishti as abhivyakti. There is a difference. Manifestation means, I manifest myself in the dream. Bhagavan manifests himself, herself in the form of this whole jagat. So this is the Kshetragya on the macro level of the cosmology, you know, the, the Hindu cosmology of how things have come forth. The knower of this Kshetra is unaffected by anything that is manifest, just like the dreamer is unaffected by the dream. Oh, but I believe in the nightmare. Yeah, but the thing is there is a, after you wake up, you do not believe it, correct? So like this, and also you may believe it and be scared, there is a little mental modification, but there is no, nothing happening, you are not afflicted on the physical level. So therefore, this whole Kshetragya is very important because it is the name for Ishvara. Bhagavan is presented in the 13th chapter as Kshetragya. And what else is presented in the 13th chapter as Kshetragya? You. Yeah. Therefore, the 13th chapter is a Mahavakya. In fact, what comes before this is a Mahavakya. Before this Amanitvadi, you know, these uh, gunas, that these values that we are going to be studying. 
It's a Mahavakya. I talked about it yesterday. Because you are the you are known as Kshetrajya. And the same epithet is given to Ishvara also. Is this not a small thing? And it's different from the seventh chapter, para, apara, prakriti. There, this is not very clear because that's more from the standpoint of the manifest jagat, all these differentiations are there. But here, it is more from the standpoint of giving an epithet to Ishvara that we have never heard before. Kshetrajna, the lord of all fields. And the same name is given to you, the lord of all fields. This is the this is why it is a Mahavakya. In fact, you don't need anything as a Mahavakya. You just say Kshetrajna, Kshetrajna twice. That's <laughs> yeah. You see, like, like that, even the word Purusha, if you say it twice, it becomes a Mahavakya. Purusha, Purusha. Yeah, that's a Mahavakya. Why the first Purusha is trapped in the citadel of the body, Purishete, the one who is all, you know, uh, uh, feeling limited because of the body and the other one is what? Sarvan Puryati fills up everything and so Purushah Purusha. Purushah 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 Then it's a Mahavakya immediately and similarly so too you can do the same thing here Kshetragnyaha Kshetragnyaha You say twice <laughs> it, is, it does the same thing In fact the the key word here is Jnana. Yeah. Ishvara is Jnana. You are also Jnana. And that is the Mahavakya. Right here, the Jnana. How? Because same thing. Satyam, Jnanam, Anantam, Brahma. We discussed this yesterday and day before. And there, what is the what is the Mahavakya? That is also a Mahavakya. People don't see it, but that is a Mahavakya because the word Jnanam comes. And what is jnana? Awareness, knowledge. Bhagavan has knowledge, yes. Consciousness. And what you also have knowledge. You are conscious of yourself. Everything becomes evident to you. That jnana, you know, clinches the whole thing. And here too, that jnana. I am jnana, Bhagavan is jnana. And Kshetram is, you know, is all the things that I can objectify. It is the same distinction we have talked about before in another way. Atma, Anatma. Atma, I, Anatma, everything else that is quote-unquote not I. Not I. So this I and not I, the same thing that would have said in Bhagavad Gita also Atma and Anatma are used. Why did they use those two pairs? Because they wanted to bring in Bhagavan Ishvara. Bhagavan Krishna wanted to bring in this term to describe both Jiva and Ishvara. And in the tradition, when we study this chapter, we study it with Adi Shankara's Bhashya, a commentary. And then there, in the, the initial commentary of the 13th chapter, runs into several pages. Because everyone says, how can this be the same? Everybody freaks out. How can Kshetrajna be the name for Ishvara who I worship and be my own name also? Why is, not, why is that not possible? Why is that so hard? If somebody is named Narayana and, <laughs> Narayan, and they are worshipping Narayana, what's the difference? That also is a point to note. 
Only in our tradition, we give children names of Bhagavan. No other tradition. I have really studied this. Even in the indigenous traditions, you know, we are, which are similar to ours, there they will still say, child of God, servant of this, or something like that. Servant of God, or some other, you know, friend of God, helper of God, like this. Only here in our tradition, in the Vedic tradition alone, we have the alacrity to name the child after Bhagavan who we worship. 